Thank you very much for joining us on our Hospital at Home podcast. We're delighted to have you here. I wonder if just to start with, you wouldn't mind each introducing yourself and just explain your role in the development and the delivery of the Hospital at Home service in Forth Valley. So I'm Sarah Henderson. I'm the clinical director for our ageing health department. So I'm a consultant geriatrician and I work in our hospital at home team one day a week and I was also involved in the launch and the setup from a more strategic perspective of our hospital at home service. Hi I'm Louise Kirby, I'm lead advanced nurse practitioner for the hospital at home service. I joined a bit later than Sarah so wasn't involved in the initial setup and my role is involved with the day-to-day management of the service and management of the, the nursing team and also a clinical lead for the advanced nurse practitioners. Hi there, my name is Laura Hotchkiss. I work within unscheduled care and one of the work streams I cover hospital home as part of that. I work with hospital home two and a half days per week. Again, I joined a little bit later than Sarah. So my role has been engaging the key stakeholders for the strategic and operational groups that we run, creating the short life working groups, scheduling the meetings for that, and providing all the documentation, updating the project delivery tool, creating all the reports for Healthcare Improvement Scotland and separate for file reports, a hospital home newsletters, updating internet pages, and also with the great help of Sarah and Louise, we are involved in lots of test of changes going on in the service, including all the PDSA documentation and scheduling the cycle reviews. Thanks again for joining us and for being able to bring such uh, different experiences from setting up the service and delivering now. I wonder if I could just start by asking you what motivated Forth Valley to decide to create a hospital at home service in the first place? So I guess Forth Valley's journey has maybe been a little bit different to other health boards. So certainly we'd always had a vision within our ageing and health department that hospital at home was you know something that we really wanted to deliver but when the pandemic hit we were kind of afforded an opportunity for three consultant geriatricians to go out and work with a team that had already been established in the community of nurses and some GPs to try and deliver what at that point was going to be COVID assessments for frail older people at home. I guess very quickly we discovered that we were dealing with not just COVID but lots of other pathologies that older people presented with and I guess as we worked with this team of nurses and through that first part of the pandemic we really started to realise in Forth Valley that actually hospital at home was definitely something that we were going to be able to deliver. It gave us the, the impetus to start to really work that up at speed to try and find a way to bring everybody together to try and later on launch our hospital at home service. So I guess that was the thing that provided the the catalyst to get us started. Did you face any particular challenges? I know you say and you describe really well there that the natural way that developed, but did you face sort of any any challenges locally going through that transition into that kind of more hospital at home model? We spent a lot of time planning to try and launch our hospital at home service. So I guess at that point, you know, we were really fortunate that we were able to bring on people from the unscheduled care work stream to try and help us with some of the project management sides of what was going to be delivering this model. And I guess that really helped us to do some of that engagement work, you know, with primary care, with colleagues in the integrated joint boards, 
trying to bring everybody together along with ourselves, nursing colleagues, advanced nurse practitioners, AHPs, to try and model up that vision. I guess trying to get everybody in a room at the same time you know, it was always really difficult to trying to make sure that we all shared the same vision of where we were trying to get to and how we were going to get there it can sometimes be a wee bit difficult. But I guess, you know, we were really fortunate that I think we'd built a lot of those relationships. Claire Copeland, one of our clinical directors at the time, had spent a lot of time doing a lot of work in various different parts of our department, building those relationships and that trust to really try and help us take that model forward. And I think that was really important that that groundwork was there to try and help us. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the a lot of the listeners and, and, and teams throughout Scotland will be able to, to relate to the importance of that. And perhaps, Louise, given the, the fact that the service is up and running now, I wonder if you could just give us a flavour of, of what kind of stage you're at and, and almost, you know, what it's like to be working in what is quite an innovative and, and new service model for Four Valley? For, for our service, we opted to go for a soft launch where we opened up 10 beds cautiously while we have ongoing recruitment, ongoing training for nurse practitioners. We've already managed to increase that capacity up to 20 beds and we have, over the next few months, there are more people joining the team. So as the team expands and people are orientated to the team, there's some shared learning. We hope we hope to kind of progress up to our 25 beds. It's an amazing opportunity to be part of this service and to be involved in shaping it. So it's really exciting times for us all. And Laura, I can imagine um, no two days are the same. And you, in your introduction, you really nicely summarise all the things that you're supporting the team with. But I just wonder even from your general point of view, just that your satisfaction you get from from kind of being able to support a new service, get up and running and evolve. I just wonder if you could share some of your favourite experiences so far of working in such a dynamic, busy environment. I think, as Sarah said beforehand, by the time I came in, all the really, um, the groundwork had already been done. So when I came in at that point, you know, it was really because I feel like I'm, I'm a brick in Fourth Valley Royal now, I've been there that many years. I did know a lot of people, so I knew the key stakeholders to engage for our short life working groups and obviously you get the barriers when you approach people but trying to promote the service when you're trying to actually get the stakeholders on board is just fabulous it's really exciting you know you get a bit of a kick out of it and to actually show them this is what you're going to be part of this is what's coming this is the strategic view hospital at home so it's kind of going to them with all that in mind and the engagement was absolutely fantastic as well. We did have two different webinars so we promoted a flyer and had a webinar on the 2nd of December 2020 introducing, promoting the service, this is what's coming, this is what it's going to look like etc and then again on the 5th of May 2021 just like about a week and a half before we went live with the soft launch we produced another flyer, done another webinar, and in these webinars we had the key people there. So Sarah was one of them. There was Dr. Claire Copeland, who was the Associate Medical Director of Unscheduled Care and Integration. Dr. Scott Williams, he was a Deputy Medical Director of Primary Care. Carolyn Wiley, she was the Head of Community Health and Social Care Partnership. And Sharon Oswald, she was a consultant nurse lead for advanced nurse practice. So these were all really key people in delivering these webinars. And there was over 100 people attended each of the webinars. 
although that was an absolutely fantastic number, coming away from that, we're kind of thinking, well, that's not everybody we're trying to actually get on board with this. So we then started offering education sessions, GP practices, etc. And some took that opportunity and we delivered that and that was really, really great. And we've got great communications with Integrated Joint Board regarding where we are with hospital at home, we keep close communications with them because they're obviously part of the service as well, along with Fourth Valley. The amount of work involved in that was no doubt immense, but I do know it's been a particularly successful thing. I wonder, you mentioned the stakeholders, obviously, and, and the numbers. And I just wondered, at that kind of early stage, who are you looking to almost target with this information um, and, and kind of making people aware of the plans? I was going to say, I think it was difficult, wasn't it, Laura? You know, we, we wanted to try and do everybody. I guess we'd tried to target primary care. We'd wanted to talk to people in the emergency department. We wanted to make sure that other colleagues in our department, so the Department of Asian and Health, knew what we were up to because we knew that those links with our front door, just our admissions unit, were going to be key. And I guess it's also spreading the word again to, to all the community teams from AHPs through to kind of community nursing to try and make sure that everybody understood who we were and what we were going to be doing because we were going to be linking with so many different teams when then there's the kind of you know home care people that are supporting people in their own home who would need to know who we were and what we were coming in to do I guess it was really difficult because they were the people that were going to be helping to support the patients that we were caring for when we arrived in these people's homes and I guess it was important everybody knew who we were so yeah, I guess it's trying to spread that message and trying to target not just one group, but trying to target everybody. It's difficult when it's such a, a new concept to a board area. Yeah, I would agree with that, Sarah, and what you said there. And I think the good thing is that on the back of the webinars, you know, that's when word of mouth started kind of going out there. And we would get emails and our phone calls to myself, especially, and the Innovation and Improvement Advisor, who was there at the time, um, just to ask more questions about it, because I hadn't heard of what's the criteria, you know, documentation, education sessions. So I think word of mouth was absolutely fantastic off the back of the webinars. But people needed to, to have a clear understanding of what the service was and the way forward with it. That's fantastic and I think we've obviously discussed before how it's a brilliant example of making sure that you're engaging the right people ahead of a a particularly a new service model and like you say the different services that are going to interact either directly or indirectly. So it's a brilliant brilliant lesson all around I think and I, I wondered you know you're saying that you had really good feedback and then people showing interest. I wonder if anything actually came up as a result of the engagement that helped you in the design or delivery and, you know, kind of tweaking and improving how how you do things. I I guess there's lots of things, isn't there? Do you know that you you haven't always maybe thought about or given as much attention to? And I guess it was making sure that we had key contacts in different areas just to make sure that we were modelling our processes and things properly. And I guess it's the things that we still do you know are evolving? So it was things around how were we going to communicate some of our discharges? How were people going to know about medicines? What was the best format for that to be for primary care? In our early days, we'd been sending a lot of forms um, electronically and keeping people up to date. Do you know, every time we'd seen somebody, but the message back from some of our colleagues in primary care was that was kind of filling their mailboxes. And actually, we needed to refine that further. And I guess it's, it's all of these things around being open to change and people feeling you know, from the engagement that you're trying to do that actually they're welcome 
to tell you things and that, you know, we won't be offended that if there's something that we're doing that, that isn't working for them, that we can adapt and change and that we're open to that. And that it was really important to kind of tell us from their perspective. I guess we'd had questions from colleagues in palliative care, just trying to work out what would be different from hospital at home to hospice at home and even simple things like trying to think about how we were going to shorten that and making sure that we weren't going to cause confusion between two services with very different purposes but with very similar names do you know we hadn't well I certainly hadn't really thought about that to start with until somebody asked the question and then you realize it is quite obvious but you just kind of hadn't really thought about it. So I guess there was some of these little things that crop up, which actually, if you don't sort out to start with, could be quite difficult further down to disentangle. And so, yeah, I think that's where some of these webinars were really helpful, where people sort of ask questions where you suddenly realised you hadn't kind of thought of that or, you know, it was obvious to them, but maybe wasn't quite as obvious to us when we were continuing on this journey. Absolutely. And I, and I think given the complexity of setting up a new model like this, I, I don't think it would ever be possible to have thought through yes. every single thing that could ever possibly be raised. But I think, as you've mentioned, the, the importance you gave to engagement, wanting to hear from people, but being really committed to starting and you know this this phrase is often used about building the plane as you fly it and i think because of the 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 real passion and urgency for 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 getting these hospital home services up and running i think the way you've you've gone about it is is a brilliant example and i think for other teams that are in a slightly earlier um, or similar stage i think they'll be able to take a huge amount of learning from this and you you kind of mention around the amount of senior input in that engagement at the beginning i mean do you think that was a, a particularly Im- important thing when engaging those different kind of groups do you know i think that was probably really invaluable because i think if you've got that really senior support from the start and that really i think helps with the teams on the ground if they can really see that actually the senior members of teams do you know really believe in this really want to support it then that really helps to take everybody along we started with twice weekly kind of sprint meetings with really senior members of health and social care as well as NHS Worth Valley and people turned up and I think people are often surprised that we had such good attendance for as long as we did. I guess some of that is partly due to Laura and her other colleague Morvan's persistence at making sure we were all there Um, and without them I'm not sure we would have all remembered to turn up all the time but I guess that really did help having their support and buy-in really right from the start to make this work. Yeah, I would agree, Sarah. And I think the thing is with the sprint strategic groups, in fact, the operational one and all the short life working groups is they were very, very short and sharp meetings. So the meetings only lasted half an hour. And that, I personally thought, had fantastic engagement um, from the staff. There was a set agenda every meeting. You know, we went in, we discussed what we had to discuss, and that was it. So I think definitely reducing the amount of time per meeting was a huge success. That was the first time I'd ever done that before, and I just thought it worked brilliantly. And I've taken that forward with other projects I've been working on as well. And I think that's a, a really nice segue into kind of the importance as we've learned about that combination of the clinical, medical leadership, senior leadership, but obviously when sort of setting up a new service, ensuring that there's the sufficient project management and quality improvement infrastructure there to support. I know, Laura, from our discussions, that uh, it's the, the amount of work you've put into this to I guess, support your colleagues has, has been immense. 
and I think even examples of those those sprint meetings. But have, have you kind of experienced anything that's been quite different with this compared to to perhaps some of the other work that you're you're involved in? I think for me, definitely the meetings only being half an hour, I think that was amazing because the engagement was just consistent all the way through. Whereas previous projects I've been working on, the meetings have been longer and you then start to, you know, they're engaged at the start and then it starts to just tail off. So the engagement starts to just drift. But I think with these meetings, the way they are and the way they have been set up, and again, it's recognising when there's a time to change the frequency of the meetings or to stop them. So just very recently, we've changed the frequency of the sprint strategic group and we've changed the frequency of the operational group now because we know at the very start of the um, service being launched, it was very, very, very busy and things were happening all the time. But now we're in a position end of November, right, OK, things are starting to tail off a little bit. Let's recognise this and recognise the importance and how busy other people are, especially within the sprint strategic group because it's such high level, and we'll then move these meetings to quarterly. So it's not that we're saying, okay, it's been set up since May, that's us, we're away now. We're still keeping in uh, contact with the Health and Social Care Partnerships by means of the reports, the highlight reports, and the data reports that we send. So they're always involved and know what's happening because it is a joint integrated service and we really can't forget that so that's why it's so important that they're always informed that everything that's happening big or small that's great examples and learning for all those other areas that are involved in similar work and perhaps putting you slightly on the spot i just wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing some of some of the parts of being in a hospital at home team that you found particularly enjoyable or satisfying, especially just given it a bit of a new service model for the area. If you wouldn't mind just maybe sharing some of your your, your joys and your, your successes of what it's been like to be in the team. We've had some um, some really amazing feedback from families and I speak for myself and the nurses that the experience of delivering hospital level care at home is so much more personal than it would ever be in a in a hospital setting. You really get to, to get to know the patients, get to know the family, and it's just an example of it's it's person centred care. The family and the patient are involved in the decision making, and it just feels like you know, a, a joint venture rather than in hospital. Often families are not involved and. I was going to say, I think it is that person-centred approach, as Louise says. We, we've had really lovely feedback on things like care opinion. We've had wives absolutely delighted that their husband has been able to be kept at home with them. They've had their intravenous antibiotics at home. And that this particular lady thought that our team, you know, were just angels. They came into her home. She couldn't have been happier to welcome them in. They delivered his care, his antibiotics, and he got better. And without being particularly this time in the pandemic being taken away from her and our family you know that they were all able to be around and involved and that you know they could visit him when they want you know that they were able to do all the things that they wanted as a family and that we went to them rather than him being kind of taken away was kind of her words and I think that's what I think is is really important and I think really powerful. I think that's a a, a lovely example a lovely example of, of the difference it makes to people and I know we've touched on a huge number of things already but as we we come towards the latter part of, of our conversation I wondered if there were any other 
sort of important lessons you've learned from um, setting up and, and now delivering the service that if you could go back in time or, or you maybe just want to share with other teams that are in that slightly earlier stage and could be going through similar things then it'd be great to be great to hear of any of those so one thing for me is just to ensure that the team remains flexible most teams have got referral criteria but it's important to use that as a guide and not be rigid and actually if we just ensure we've got our patient at the center of our decision making when we're accepting referrals that may not quite fit our referral criteria actually we are often the best option for that patient and i just think having that head on when you're when you're triaging referrals and accepting referrals is to always think yeah okay the patient might not fit our criteria but actually we are the best option for this person I was going to say my advice to other teams is it's about the team that are around you. So I guess without you know, Louise at our helm, with all the experience that she brought of having delivered hospital at home in other areas, that's been absolutely invaluable. And it's about having somebody like Laura, which keeps us all on track. Do you know, as, as clinicians, we're really good at looking after our patients. We're absolutely terrible at keeping that data and telling that story in a way that everybody needs to be able to understand. And for some people, the data and all of that information that Laura is able to generate and pull together into all of those reports and share is part of how they need to be able to tell that story. And I think sometimes as a clinician, you know, we can forget how important that is when you're trying to go about you know, the day-to-day business of caring for these patients. So I think it is really about making sure you've got that, that team around you to do all those bits that are really important. Oh, Sarah, that's really lovely of you to say thank you. And I think myself coming from a non-clinical role, and this is the kind of first time I've ever been involved with like a clinical service. And I just think the whole team have been absolutely fantastic. They kind of helped me work through stops, guides, processes. And then, you know, they just look at me quite funny when they say I need me a medication. I've not got a clue what they're talking about. But they then kind of just like explain to me what it is, what it does, etc. And that then gives me a better understanding of what they're actually trying to do for this patient. So I think that's really, really good as well. From the kind of admin side of things, you know, if it's a new team going forward, absolutely communication, communication, communication all the way. Have everything out there open and transparent. Have all your groups set up, as Sarah says, sometimes I think, you know, I kind of hound Sarah and Louise, but they're grateful for it about attending these meetings because they're just so, so important just to continue to keep that engagement up and keep it consistent and just keep the meeting short and sharp and to the point and keep a log of absolutely everything, every note, you know, every minute, every webinar, every flyer, etc. And it just prepares you for the service going forward. And also as it continues to flourish for Fort Valley as well, we're doing all this work. That's really, that's really interesting. And, and especially it's great to just hear your experiences from, you know, kind of different roles, but ultimately all working towards that kind of same goal. So it's just, it's great to be able to, to discuss this with you. But we will have to bring this to a close and we can even uh, look at future options to hear more as your, as your service develops. But I wonder if to bring it to a close, you could maybe just share with us what your kind of next steps are. You know, even in the, the short or the medium or the long term for Fort Valley and then hospital at home. So our, our short term goals are obviously to continue to work towards increasing our beds capacity. And that will naturally happen as the AMPs complete training and the outstanding vacancies are recruited into 
That's great. Thank you very much, Louise. That will bring us to the end of our discussion. And I just thank you so much for, for sharing your experience, sharing all these hugely valuable lessons, which are going to help many teams across Scotland. And we're really excited to see how things progress. But it, it's been fantastic to hear your story so far. So just left really for me to say thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all so much for, for being with us today. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Thank you.